All right, and we are live. Happy Thursday. Did I get it right? Yeah. Oh, I got it right. Happy Thursday, everybody. And I should say that there is some good news in Los Angeles. Uh, Valeria and I today, we we ran around town for several hours. We were uh, we went to a store. We got uh, I got a Monster Energy drink. Valeria got a Red Bull. Uh, we went to an accountant. We we walked through a mall. We did all kinds of fun stuff. We never wore a mask the whole time. And Valeria, how many people stopped us? Zero. Not only did they not stop us, I don't even think anybody noticed. We didn't get any funny looks. I, I was actually shocked when we went into the store and bought the, the drinks because I, I had... Okay, do you want to put them in the... All right, the cat is going to be locked in the bathroom because we are abusive parents. <laughs> Aston, come on. Oh, he sounds so pathetic. Look at these little pathetic little meows. He's like, I'm in trouble, aren't I? Yes, you are. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so that was quite a bit of fun. I also wanted to explain why I disappeared yesterday. So about once a month, I have to do a an infusion of a of a pretty ha- hardcore drug uh, at my at my doctor's clinic, and uh, it, it it does make me tired. And I actually knew that I would be it would be rough for me to do the show that day, but it didn't occur to me that I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to wake up. So I. When I got home, what, what time did I get home? Probably like two or something like that. Mm-hmm. Hey, buddy. You lay down and sleep. So about like two o'clock, I came home from the doctor's office, and I decided to take a nap for a couple of hours before the show. And when <laughs> when, when like five o'clock came around and my my uh, phone uh, alarm went off, uh, I'll switch just to me here. Um, when my my phone went off, and I thought, oh, I got to get up to do the show. Um, I, I just barely remember opening my eyes just the slightest amount. Uh-oh, the cat's going away now. Just the slightest amount. And Valeria saying, uh, are we doing the show? What's going on? I barely opened my eyes. And I said, uh, put a note on the site. Like, you know, t- tell, tell everybody, like, show's canceled today. And I went back to sleep. I mean, bar- I was, like, barely awake for, like, half a second. And I and as I was saying that, I I knew it was happening vaguely, and I and I thought I don't think Valerian even knows how to go on my YouTube and to write a comment like that. Uh, but a few hours later, I woke up feeling feeling okay actually, and uh, there it was on the on the site. Valeria had had put the note up perfectly and notified everybody that the show was canceled that day. But yeah, that that'll happen about once a month, so there might be a sort of odd day. Uh, maybe like once a month that we we don't do the show because I've been knocked out <laughs> uh, by drugs. It's it's not any kind of like serious problem that I have or anything like that. It's just something, it's just a problem that I've had since childhood, a genetic defect, you might say. <laughs> it does give me super strength and I can fly, but uh, <laughs> but but it it, me- it messes messed up my leg pretty good uh, growing up. I couldn't do sports or anything like that. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I take this drug infusion 
and it and it's works great. I basically can 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 function like a normal human. Can can do all the sports and do all the running. Obviously, I don't do enough of the sports. I don't do enough of the running because I am still fat. <laughs> and no, that's it's not because of the drugs. I got fat just before uh, we started doing that uh, infusion thing. So you can't blame the infusion, uh, darling. Yes. Do we have any other news to tell the people before we get into the show? All right. So then, in that case. Would you like to read the first story? No intro? Oh, yeah. Let's do an intro. You guys ready for the intro? Let's do the intro. Toxic masculinity. That's right. Uh, I am toxic. She is masculine. Together we are toxic masculinity. The least professional show on YouTube. Hit it. (laughs) China brainwashing Christians to renounce their faith. Renounce? Renounce. It means to say that, uh, you know, it's to say that you're not really a Christian or to say you you, you don't believe in Christianity or something like that, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that you really do Mm -hmm. uh, because of their evil political agenda. Now, I didn't have time to read this one. I read most of the stories, but I didn't get a chance to read this one. So I'm going to be learning about this along with you guys. So let's have a read here. China brainwashing Christians to renounce faith report fines. Uh, This is in the New York Post. Very reliable news source, the New York Post, despite what you might have heard on Twitter. Um, This little joke about Hunter Biden's laptop. Anyway, uh, China is attempting to brainwash Christians by holding them in mobile transformation facilities, according to a new report. Uh, Radio Free Asia relayed stories last week from a man given the pseudonym Li Yuize. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, who said he was beaten in a windowless room for nearly 10 months. Holy crap. That's not good. Uh, Lee said he was detained after authorities raided his house church in 2018. That's what they have to do in China, actually, because religion is illegal. You're not allowed to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. So they have these, like, house churches, like like our apartment, for instance. We would invite other Christians, Mm -hmm. and then we would read read passages from the Bible, talk about our faith, whatever it is. You know, a minister might preach or something like that in small groups. Um, which is actually probably a little bit more like what Christianity was like back in the uh, back in the old days, back in the years more near when uh, when Christ was around. So uh, yeah, but anyway, that's what they have to do to hide their Christianity. God, I hope you guys can't hear that cat because it it does sound like he's being tortured, but he isn't. He's just locked in the. Did you put the? You did it. Okay, man, he's pretty loud. Let's see here. He says, there were no windows, no ventilation, at no time allowed outside, said Lee. I was given just two meals a day, which were brought to the room by a designated person. He said, authorities threatened, insulted, and intimidate you. Sorry. He said that authorities threatened, insulted, and intimidate you. These were the United Front officials. Uh, Men, women, sometimes unidentified, usually in plain clothes. The police turn a blind eye to this. You have to accept the statement they prepare for you. Lee added that if you refuse, you will be seen as having a bad attitude and they will keep you in detention and keep on beating you. Uh, let's see here. Oh, this is uh, Catholic worshippers attending a morning mass on Easter Sunday at a Catholic church in a village near Beijing. Okay, so I guess I guess they, they do have some churches. I, I thought it was completely illegal in China. But apparently, apparently not. So maybe they have. You know, you know, I was telling you that they have these things, um, these uh, Potemkin villages. 
these places where they show the rest of the world, this is what Russia really looks like in the uh, USSR, but it was like fake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, the term Potemkin village is an interesting history. Uh, it's based on the time of, I think, Catherine the Great. And she was like traveling down a river mm-hmm. and they put up like these these facades of, of nice buildings to make it look like the towns were nicer than they actually were. And there's dispute about the historical accuracy of it and, and specifically what was done. But the idea was uh, that that was the original concept of the Potemkin village. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they would take down these facades and then they would run down the river and they would put them up again in a new town to make it look like all the towns were really nice. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. Anyway, look up Potemkin village. Fascinating history. Um, so this church stuff that they might have, the churches that were allowed to photograph from the West, they might be uh, show churches that, that the uh, Chinese mm-hmm. government is allowing a few of them so that the West thinks that they have religious freedom when they actually don't. Um, his fellow inmates, he said, were released on bail and had taken part in church-related activities. The suppression affected both Protestants and Catholics, with priests disappearing for five, six, even ten years at a stretch. Man, ten years! That's not good. Last week's report was just the latest to shed light on alleged abuses at the hands of the Chinese authorities. The uh, BBC report on the Uyghurs included alleged former uh, detainees who claimed horrific abuses like raping women with electrocuting instruments. Jeez. Yeah, the Chinese are pretty messed up. Like, I, the, the truth is, I don't know... Okay, here's the worshippers waiting outside the uh, Zashiku... Zashiku Cathedral to attend Christmas Eve Mass in Beijing, December 24th, 2019. So I guess there must be some degree of religious freedom, or at least the the, the appearance of it. Um, I don't know how much religious freedom that the Chinese have. I should actually do study up on that a little bit more, because mm-hmm. from everything I've heard, they have no religious freedom, and yet there's photos of churches and stuff like that. So maybe, they're, maybe they've... Loosened up some of the restrictions on religious freedom so that they don't seem like they're such horrific monsters to the to the rest of the world. Um, but according to this guy, they're still horrific monsters. Anyway. Well, I'm sure they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you didn't grow up with any kind of religious restrictions because the USSR was already over. Well, um, no, I didn't. I mean, Russians are pretty religious. Yeah, throughout Russia, they've actually adopted a more religious... It's almost become a trend, right, for people to be, be more religious now in, 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 the, in Russia. Mm-hmm. But you, you often talk about how the, the Russian Orthodox Church is very corrupt, like all the ministers, all it's the priests like are very rich. A way to, like... It's a business. Church works with government, and right. uh, it's kind of keep people. You know, our preachers teach people to obey the government, and, like something not obey the government, but just if you're suffering, you just accept it and right, stuff like right, this. Right, right. Like you in um, you, you, you mean to tolerate the suffering they endure at yeah. the hand of the at the Russian government, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, like the difference between when I first went to American church and yep. Russian, like Russians, all like gold, gold uh, images, uh, mm-hmm. like I- icons. Yeah, yeah. Everything's gilded. Everything's and, ornate. Uh, there is no place to sit. I remember me as a child. 
when my grandparents' parents were taking us to a church, like before Christmas or stuff like this, mm -hmm. and you just stay, stand for the whole um, preaching. It was yeah. like maybe a few hours. You yeah. would just stand and suffer. I remember me as a child, I was basically like sleeping, sitting on the floor <laughs> with the candle. Right. And from then I was like, I hate churches right, because it right, was right, so right. such a negative experience from yeah. because you're basically suffering there the smell of the stuff they are burning mm -hmm. is terrible mm -hmm. no place mm -hmm. to sit it's basically suffering yeah yeah it's not how church should work and yeah. your churches american churches you can sit awesome music entertaining fun mm -hmm. no this crazy um gold and like we, yeah. we have it's very simple yeah very yeah. minimalist yeah i we we tend to go huge it's my family huge we, we tend to go to uh non-denominational protestant churches which i mean most of you will probably recognize mm -hmm. that um I, i've tended to find uh, like when i was in college i would meet people who were very strong atheists they they hated religion they hated christianity and every one of them that i spoken with that i spoke to who had been religious growing up were Catholic and I'm sure some Catholics are watching this and they're like that's not me and I definitely knew Catholics as well uh, who loved Catholicism loved the church loved God they were very uh, strong uh, you know faithful people but um, I, I think that something like that has happened to some people in the Catholic Church in America as well uh, the people that I spoke to who were atheists, uh, who had been Catholic, kind of had the same experience where they, it wasn't maybe quite as brutal as that, but they felt like the Catholic Church was, felt to them a bit abusive or something like that. They, they had a very bad experience in the church. And this sort of drove them away from the faith, which I think is the exact opposite of what, are, you know, what people, you know, what people that are involved with the church are supposed to do. Um so I always viewed, because my family, I, we were Catholic when I when I was mm -hmm. very young, but we we transitioned to being Protestant about the time I was born. So although I did go to Catholic church a bit, uh, mostly we went to Protestant church, and I grew up Protestant. And uh, it seems to be, in my view, a much uh, a much more palatable version of Christianity for most people. Mm -hmm. um, but I always admired Catholicism. Because I like, I like tradition, and I like the level of um, respect that's shown to God in the Catholic Church. Whereas, I, I wouldn't say the Protestant traditions or you know the stuff that we do at Protestant Church is less respectful necessarily, but it it's it, it appears to be less respectful, in my view. And I grew up Protestant, so nothing against being Protestant. But like the kind of the kind of music that would be played in church, like I, I, a lot of you might recognize what I'm saying here. I've been to too many Protestant churches where the minister seems to be less of less of a um, less of a respectful man to man of God, and more of like an aspiring stand-up comedian. Like you have these certain certain ministers will will try to form for the congregation and try to make everybody laugh and be funny and cool and there's not much of there's not much substance to the message mm -hmm. and i have always really hated those kinds of sermons 
Um, and then there's there's another kind of church that I've been to where it's like maybe the pastor might be pretty good, but you have these um, you know these like church musicians that come out and they're it, it almost seems like this is like the best opportunity for them to be like a rock star. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and and they're like just like thrilled by this moment that they get to perform. And I don't like these performances. I I, I feel like it's a little bit too self-indulgent mm-hmm. with some of the people who are at some of these churches. And I've been to a lot of churches. So uh, that's not to say the majority of churches are like that. I think, you know, just because you're a performer at a church or you're, you know, you're a funny pastor or you're a great musician or something like that, that doesn't necessarily mean you're like this. That's not what I'm trying to say. Like, I went to one church in Portland and the musician of the church, he ended up becoming a pretty successful, like, Christian rock band type thing, and they would actually uh, tour and stuff like that. And uh, But I remember hearing him preach occasionally, and I thought, this guy's better than the minister. The minister was actually one of those sort of stand-up comedy type guys. But this musician, who was like a legitimate sort of rock star, he was actually very good uh, at, at preaching. And he seemed very, uh, seemed much more of a, a faith-based type guy. And I much more appreciated him. But anyway, um, yeah, we, that was kind of a random tangent. We went a little bit off course there, but uh, just musing about American churches. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's important to talk about this stuff from time to time. Yeah. But we do have quite a few stories, so maybe we should <laughs> move on. Uh, sorry for that, folks. But anyway, well, leave comments. I feel if you... an obligation that we have to do a longer show today. Yeah, it's because we missed yesterday. Show. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, if you have any comments about American churches, please leave them in the comment section. We'll try to get to them. Um, you don't necessarily have to leave a super chat. Just write at Toxic Masculinity. But if you do that, wait for the end of the show when we're actually looking at the comments. All right. Shall we move on to the next story? Just want to remind you, darling, they might disappear because the chat is... Well, that's why I'm saying wait until the end of the show when we're actually looking at the chat. Ah, sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> how, so sorry. how dare you question me? How dare you? <laughs> All right. Okay. My, be- my best Greta Thunberg impression. Next story. Yeah, next story. Uh, 255 transgender inmates request transfer to women's prisons. Yeah. Okay, this is the other story. This is the other story I didn't have time to read. So let's they have a look at this. They should make prison from, for transgenders... Separate. Yeah, just just a prison just for transgenders. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. Let's hear. Two hundred fifty-five transgender inmates request transfer to women's prison after California passes new law. For those who are wondering how the Democrats Democrats Equality Act requiring people to be treated according to their gender identity will operate if passed, we're getting some foreshadowing from California. On January first, a law went into effect holding that state prisoners must be housed in a facility consistent with their gender identity, regardless of anatomy. To date, 261 prisoners, 255 of them biological men, have asked to be relocated. The reasoning behind the law wasn't uh, just the unusual woke... Wait, hold on a second. If 255 of them are biological men then does that mean that six of them were women that were in a men's prison? Well, maybe it was... Okay, so maybe the other six were women who identify as men. That mm, must be it. That must be it. Okay, that must be it. Okay, sorry. Took me a second to figure that out. I got it now. All right. The reasoning behind the law wasn't the, just the unusual woke madness of treating transgenderism as if it's not a sad case of body dysmorphia, but is instead a magical change in sex. 
Sorry. I think I don't quite understand that sentence, but anyway, moving on. Instead, there was a hu- humane goal. Men who identify as women when placed in all male prisons are extremely vulnerable to prison rape. One man in Australia claimed that he was raped over 2,000 times, which, if, if true, is appalling. However, when you place so-called transgender men in women's prisons, there's also a rape problem. With the men, many who claim to be lesbians, raping those... <laughs> claim to be lesbians... Raping those women unlucky enough to find themselves in the same cell, ward, or shower as one of these so-called transgender women. England has been engaged in this transgender experiment for a while, and the rape risk has proven to be real, not merely hypothetical. In the United, okay, the United Kingdom Ministry of Justice has revealed that inmates who, are, uh, who identify as transgender are responsible for a rate of sexual attacks that is exponentially higher than their proportion of the population of women's jails and prisons. In response to the Jeez. Um, in response to a question that former Labor General Secretary Baroness McDonough put before Parliament, the MOJ has acknowledged that while inmates who identify as transgender make up about 1% of the 3,600 inmates in women's jails and prisons, they have committed 5.6% of all reported sexual assaults. That doesn't seem right. I feel like it would even be higher than that. I feel like it would be, they make up 1%, but they've committed 5.6% of all reported sexual assaults. That means that 94.4% of sexual assaults in women's prisons are are from other women? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's like all sexual assaults across the board. Because in men's prisons, there are sexual assaults as well on other men. So maybe they're talking about across the board. That's that doesn't that seems well, like are would... those transgenders actual transgenders? Or... Oh no no no! They're just guys saying I'm transgender. Of course they're not real. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you want to let the cat out? I think he'll be quiet now. We've tortured him enough. Go on. He's not tortured. He's just being difficult. Let 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 him out. Let him out. Okay. You the most the most famous transgender prison rapist in England is a man calling himself Karen White. Of course his name is Karen, uh, who was sent to prison after stabbing a neighbor. Oh, yeah, that guy definitely looks like a Karen. Despite a history that included sexual assault, exposure, sexually abusing minors, and cruelty to animals, he ended up in a woman's, a women's prison where he promptly sexually assaulted women. Shocking. Uh, they've got a meme here. Meet Karen. Karen was sent to a women's prison. Karen has a penis and sexually assaulted two women in prison. 22 more male prisoners are living in women's prisons. Some are rapists. Sign our petition to get this dangerous prison policy changed. Yeah. As, as well as should. I mean, look at this guy. It's, it's not even remotely, he doesn't look remotely like a woman. He's not even trying. He just calls himself Karen and says, put me in the female. I mean, like, I mean, how stupid are, are the, the officials that are like, nah, yeah, I think this is a good idea. Well, they are like, I think they don't care because it's like, if there is being assault in women's prison and yeah. men's prison. Well, if they don't care, like, they don't deserve their the job. Point? They don't like, deserve their job. They don't deserve their job. It's not going to change anything. The problem is, isn't is limited to England. In Illinois, which is required by a court order to rehouse so-called transgender prisoners, a woman filed a federal lawsuit claiming that a man who identified as a transgender woman raped her. Yeah, shocking. Given these facts, it's concerning that 261 California prison inmates have requested transfers under the new law. 261 California state prisoners have requested transfers to facilities uh, that house the opposite gender since the new law went into effect on January 1st. 255 of them have requested to move from male to female correction facilities. 
So far, the prison system has approved only a few transfers, but it hasn't rejected any of them yet. And according to Breitbart News, even the reliably leftist Los Angeles Times has conceded that several men are thought to have applied under false pretenses. You think? You think? Shocking. I can't believe that. And that women prisoners are getting worried. Yeah, no, no joke. The CDCR, I don't know what that means, has approved 21 of the requests, and four of these 21 have been transferred to Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla. Chow, Chow, Chow I don't know that. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, two of the 21 have changed their minds, Thornton said. The spokesman said that of April 2nd, 1,129 incarcerated people self-identify as transgender, non-binary, and intersex. I mean, okay, I'm not going to read the rest of this. The point is that this, this is this is obviously idiotic. We all know it's idiotic. I mean, here, here's... Oh, hello, cat. <laughs> hey, everybody. There is a, meet there is a meet good, Aston. There is a, a good point from a taco magnet. Yeah. And uh, it says... What will they do with all the pregnant inmates in a year? I know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's you know, and, the problem. And it could also be that you get special treatment if you're pregnant or something like that. So mm-hmm. some of the women in these prisons may actually try to be having sex with the guys in their prison so that they can get special treatment um, being pregnant and that kind of stuff. Um, that, that could end up being a, an unintended consequence of this as well. I mean, there's so many reasons why this is a horrible, horrible mistake. It's just it's just an idiotic yeah. thing for them to do. It's a stupid thing to th- th- do. This is one of the big differences. Okay, Aston's going to steal the show again, isn't he? Um, <laughs> all right, he's out of here. He's, he's walking off. Um, what was I going to say? Um, that, yeah, th- this is one big difference between conservatives and, and, and Democrats. You get a lot of these hyper-intellectual... Uh, uh, people in the Democrat Party, you know, academics... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, scientists, you, you get, you get a lot of people with like high IQ, but oftentimes with this like high IQ, you know, the really smart academically type folks, you, you lack what, what's funny. Go on. There's been a super chat and okay. uh, I don't read the super chat, but somebody commented super chat from patron Daniel, mm-hmm. but other person commented, Daniel posted Aston's bail bailout. <laughs> Because he bought the super chat and it's it asked the oh, mail. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Hey, I buddy. know, right? Yeah, no, he's, he's he's saying thank you to Daniel. Yeah, he's saying thank for, you to Daniel for buying his buying his freedom. freedom. Yeah. I keep forgetting what I was going to say. Oh yeah, yeah. You get these hyper intellectual folks, and they they you know they postulate about different ideas about the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they have these hypothetical ideas. Oh, maybe maybe the world should be like this. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do this. And what you end up with when you just have this intel- this intellectual, you know, mm-hmm. hypothesizing, you end up with stuff like marxism, right? Yeah. I don't think Karl Marx intended for the Soviet Union to be the way it was. I think he was intending to help people out. I think he did want people to live better lives. Um but he was a hyper intellectual type person. Um, probably like genius level IQ, and he didn't have something we all like to call common sense. A lot of Democrats just don't have common sense, right? Common sense. You put male prisoners in with female prisoners, you're going to have problems, a myriad of problems. You're going to have so many problems, there's a lot of problems you don't even expect. Like, look at the border, right? Um, A lot of people knew about what kind of problems we would see at the border, right? We knew about 
all the rapes that happen to women when they're trying to come up illegally. Not just women, children. Of course, yeah. We we knew about these horrific conditions. We knew about this horrific stuff. Um, but what I think a lot of people didn't think about was this idea that, and I didn't think about this, was this idea that when you have a well, okay, I take that back. I did I did predict that if you had a lot of traffic, it would be harder to catch drug smugglers and stuff like that. But what I didn't predict is that a lot of the people taking these immigrants up through the border would be the same cartels that were smuggling the drugs. And then these cartels could then time how they brought people in through the border, right? So they could bring a bunch of people up over here, get all the um, uh, border enforcement agents dealing with all that business, and then they bring the drugs in through here, you know, through an area where there are no guards because they're all dealing with this influx of immigrants, and then you never catch the drug smugglers, right? So they've worked all that out now. Um, And so basically the Biden administration has facilitated the growth of Mexican cartels massively. I mean, the, the industry... Mexican cartels were already, you know, massively successful uh, businesses, you know, obviously, you know, doing illegal, horrible stuff. But now, um, now the Biden administration (laughs) and the cat's rubbing up. He wants to be on the show now. Okay, I guess we have a third host. Um, But now the Biden administration has massively improved the success of these cartels. They're basically working together. I mean, I know it's unintentional on the, on the part of the Biden administration. Some people might disagree with me on that, but I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, to be, to be somewhat reasonable here. I don't think the Biden administration wants the cartels to succeed in, they, in Mexico. I but mean, Biden administration, they are, they said, if you are under 18, you come to the border by yourself with no parents uh-huh. around you, we will like take you. Yeah. Like, okay, we're okay with you. We will take you. Isn't it weird? Like you basically encourage. Yeah, you're totally encouraging everybody. Come by yeah. themselves. Yeah. And now you have these kids wandering around the desert by themselves. Yeah. Who yeah. will just take the kids, yeah. kill them, rape them. Yeah. Yeah. What are they doing? They're like, oh, yeah. we're gonna, we, we try to yeah. save the children. We're trying to save. No, they're actually doing the opposite thing. See, but that's that's now you're getting into an area where I think that's an, a predictable effect. I think that's something that's so obvious that nobody could imagine. Like everybody could imagine that that would happen, right? Nobody would not imagine that that would. But ha- why of course, would you it's do this. Happen. They're virtue signaling. Because it's... Trump, Trump was stopping all of this human trafficking and saving children. Yeah. And now they just want double. children because they don't they don't really this is what i taught this is what i mean about like postulating about you know different hypotheses about how things would work when you get too when you get too intellectual about things a lot of times you don't think about things clearly in a simple way because the best way to to think about the way the world works is just take the facts of the way the world works and then See what people's motivations are. See what their intentions are. See you know. See what things have happened in the past, and then it's pretty easy to predict what's going to happen in the future. When you do something that has obvious negative consequences, you know a lot of times when you can see that and it's obviously true, there's also other negative consequences that maybe you can't predict that come along with it, right? 
it's the, it's the same thing as predicting something with obvious positive consequences, right? If you if you do something and there's obvious positive consequences, sometimes other positive consequences come along with that um, that you didn't even expect, right? And somebody like Trump is perfectly positioned um, as as a business minded person to run the American government far better than a career politician like Biden, who's really done nothing in his whatever it is 40 so 40 or so years mm-hmm. of public service he's done nothing to help the american people and donald trump comes in and in 4 years completely revolutionizes the country brings us the most profitable era in human history brings us the greatest amount of prosperity and brings us the greatest improvement in quality of life and that's really what's important here the quality of life of Americans is important. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, but when COVID hit, it went, it was terrible. Trump didn't make that happen. Trump, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. As much as you hate Trump, Trump didn't make COVID happen. You may not like how he dealt with COVID. I think it's not possible to argue that that Trump failed with the, you know, the pandemic, but a lot of Democrats try to try to say that. But How can you fail in a thing that it's not possible to stop? Well, exactly. Can yeah. you give me an example yeah. where COVID was stopped? Well, well, it's very easy to blame a president for stuff they they can't, you know, they they can't they can't stop. It's very easy to say that, you know, that 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 Biden should have stopped the the housing crisis, but obviously that wasn't his fault, and you know nobody really blamed Biden or Biden blamed Obama for that the housing crisis. It wasn't really his his policies that caused the the housing crisis. I mean. Maybe to some small degree, but uh, you know, there's a lot of problems. You know, economies are cyclical. You know, you have positive times, you have negative times, and some people might say, "Well, Donald Trump didn't really improve the economy. It was just it was already going up under Biden and all that kind of stuff." Yeah, I, I know. under Obama. <laughs> Sorry, under under Obama, but uh, but we all know that Trump's policies, deregulation, a lot of his, a lot of the stuff he did with uh, you know, um, internationally, like. Uh, he he helped out massively the United States economy, right? The tax cuts, bringing new jobs to America, bringing businesses back to America, uh, negotiating better deals with uh, <laughs> better deals internationally. What, what's his deal? He's being crazy today. At least he's been quiet. Yeah, he doesn't like being locked into that bathroom. So um, I don't think any. I mean, I don't think any reasonable person can argue that Trump did not do amazing things to improve our economy before you know the covid crisis hit and then i mean the i've i've followed the covid crisis in some depth uh and i don't think trump could have dealt with it better unless i think the one mistake trump made and this is a criticism that i i don't think i'm ever going to change maybe one day i will but i don't think we should have locked down anywhere in america i think the lockdowns were the biggest mistake huge mistake um it was mostly of course huge huge but uh, but I, I don't you know that was obviously the advice that was given to Trump and you know he he's not it wasn't a medical even professional. An advice. It was a hysteria. It was oh, hysteria. We're gonna die. <laughs> Listen, this was the job of local governments to lock places down. But the federal government did advise that it was a good idea, and I think this was a mistake. But this was advice that Trump was given by medical professionals. He's not an epidemiologist. He doesn't know how to deal with like a pandemic. No one really does. I mean, pandemics are not something that anyone really 
knows exactly how to deal with. They're not something that have that's happened a lot in America. And the few times that they have happened, we've not had a perfect record of dealing with them. So it's just something you kind of have to, you know, it's a fly by the seat of your pants kind of situation. And, uh, you know, I think that it was a, a massive mistake to, sh- to lock everything down, both in Europe and in the United States. Um, you know, we, we, can, we can point to the graphs that show the difference between, you know, how Texas dealt with it and how California dealt with it and how all the different, you know, like Sweden and show that actually it didn't really help. Lockdowns really didn't help. Mask mandates question. really didn't help. Yeah, I have a don't. question. Yep. We were talking about transgenders. Yeah. <laughs> How did we go to the COVID Yo, lockdowns? I, really... I have a question because I'm reading the third article. I was like, I didn't read the article, but we're talking about COVID. <laughs> right. Well, anyway. Um, yeah. I like to go on a tangent. We can, we can keep you want, talking you want... about COVID because the next, art, next article is COVID-19 deaths dropped 20% in the past week. Well, darling, I, I have to stop you here because I don't think my editor is going to know when to uh, when to stop this. So that's the end of the last article. Let's move on to the next article. Valeria, will you read the next article for us? Yes. And guess what is it? What is it? COVID-19 deaths dropped 20% in the past week. Oh, that's shocking. Wow, that's, that's fantastic news. Well, let's go ahead and have a, a look at this article now. Um, the average... U.S. COVID-19 death toll plunges even as new cases rise. Um, that's interesting. And, and I, I think this probably has a lot to do with the, the vaccine. vaccine. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that that's disputed. The vaccine is a sort of miracle uh, that we've been able to, uh, to, to get in, in such a short amount of time. Thank you, Donald Trump. I know a lot of people are skeptical about the vaccine. Uh, uh, my doctor was mad at me yesterday when I told her that you and I didn't get it and we're not getting one. And she she tried to convince me that it was like this Don't perfect thing, that. and I Don't and I say that. honestly I do think that it's a good thing. I, I think the vaccine works. I think it's safe. I think it's fantastic. Um, but in our case, we have this weird thing where we don't seem to be able to get COVID, <laughs> and we suspect that maybe we already had COVID. I do suspect that. like like 2019, like late 2019 in, a, in November, somewhere in the end of that year. Yeah, before they, we even knew that there was a pandemic, because mm-hmm. because COVID was in LA earlier than like anywhere September, else. September, October, it yeah. was already in LA. So we suspect we caught it early because we've never been able to catch any strain of it, and you can catch it twice if you catch different yes, strains and stuff true. like that. But it's incredibly rare. But mm-hmm. my doctor was saying that like two of her relatives caught it twice, and I was like, wow, that's like really unlucky. I, that, that's bizarre to me. That's bizarre, but I, I think guess it's that actually sort of thing does happen. Some, something have something has to do with your immune system. Yeah, well, I did because she's she's from Iran, and I said, "Do you think Persians have a particular susceptibility to it?" Because I hadn't, I mean, I haven't read anything about that or heard anything about mm-hmm. that, but I just asked maybe. So the COVID is racist. That was just. <laughs> well, different different people with different genetic makeups have different susceptibilities. Well, they already said the different... COVID was racist because black people are getting right, sick right, right. I mean, that's just a possible. I mean, it's just a possibility. It's like sickle cell anemia, right? Uh, I think isn't that something? Isn't that right? Isn't that what black people get? I think black people specifically get sickle cell as like a. I think that's right. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. Different different races do, are more or less susceptible. Like Jews have certain susceptibilities. Well, your doctor were encouraging you to get the vaccine. Yeah. Mine. Oh, really? Was discouraging you? <laughs> he was like, 
I'm not even doing flu shots. Well, one of my best friends do- is a scientist, and he does mm-hmm. research into this kind of stuff. And he he is 100% convinced that the that the vaccine is safe and 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 effective, and everybody should be taking it. Um, but he also but he also says that if you've had COVID, that is actually the best vaccine. Like if you've actually caught COVID and recovered, then it's very unlikely it you're going to catch it again. It doesn't matter what they say. They're going to uh, force everyone to get the vaccine. If if it's not going to come through your employer, right. who will say you're fired unless you get the vaccine, then they will ban um, us from traveling if you don't have COVID uh, passport. Or COVID. I mean, I, I, I'm not quite as, as cynical as Valeria is. Okay, but guys, it, remember look. this. I'm sure in the end of this year, they're going to say, you all have to get a vaccine or you won't be able to travel. Just like mark this right here, okay? And then we'll see what's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's actually true, but um, but Valeria does. I'm optimistic. She's cynical, so we'll I'm see. I'm a cynical, optimistic yeah. Russian bitch. <laughs> I, I think you're a cynical, pessimistic Russian. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, let's continue to try to read this story here. We keep going on these tangents. They're, they're a lot of fun, but uh, let's let's try to get this story read. Uh, an aver- the average daily COVID-19 death toll plunged by nearly 20% over the entire U.S. over the past week, even as the average numbers of new cases and hospitalizations went up, officials said Wednesday. Which doesn't make any sense, because you'd think that the vaccine would just stop people from getting it at all. It's, it's just kind of surprising that the deaths plummeted 20%. Maybe it's because they're they're better at treating the patients, but it seems like a, a lot, 20% in a, a week. Or maybe all the people that are the most susceptible to dying of COVID have died. Maybe we hit that hurdle because you knew I, that was going to happen. I don't even know what to say because I don't know what to say. But th- that, is a, that is a possibility. It's a kind of a morbid thing to talk about. But it is a possibility that everybody who was likely or most people who were likely to die from COVID have already died. Right? The, the most susceptible people have already died. Like very, very, very old people who are really out of shape and basically going to die anyway. Maybe they're, they're all dead now. So it, it's COVID doesn't have such vulnerable people to attack maybe so much. That's, a, that's, a, that's possible. I mean, it's kind of unpleasant thing to talk about but it may be true um let's see uh, on average 745 people died per day between march 30th and april 5th down 19.7 percent from an average of 928 people during the previous week that is still quite a lot but what you have to figure out what you have to think about by the way is that not all of these deaths are of covid they're just people who died who also had covid so if you get in a car accident and you die and you test positive for COVID, they still count that as a COVID death. It's like, it's very weird. I don't know why they do that. Why they didn't count George Floyd death as a COVID death? I don't understand. <laughs> I know, I know. Sorry, I'm going to always bring it up. All right. Um, right. The, the decrease in fatalities came as vaccine rates continued to ramp up across the nation, with around 3 million people now getting shots, getting getting shots per day in the U.S., she said. That's a weird way of putting that. Um, I'm, encouraged, I'm encouraged by the decreased number of deaths, Walensky said. Uh, while these rates of vaccinations are incredible and, and so encouraging for all of us, trends are increasing in both cases, case numbers and hospitalizations. I don't understand. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. As people are getting vaccinated, we're getting an increase in hospitalizations? I don't. I don't understand that. 
Maybe somebody in the comment section can make that make sense for me. That doesn't make any sense. Side effects? Side effects from the vaccinations, you think? No, yeah. I don't. I don't. I, maybe. I don't know. Catching COVID from vaccine? I don't think you can Some catch COVID. Some people get test positive after a vaccine. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Okay, the average number of daily coronavirus cases grew 2.3% from last week to this week, according to CDC data. The average number of daily hospitalizations also increased by 2.7%. That's crazy. Walensky attributes some of these cases to younger Americans, many of whom are among the last in line to be vaccinated. Across the country, we're hearing about virus clusters associated with daycare centers and youth sports. Hospitals are seeing more and more younger adults, those in their 30s and 40s, admitted with severe disease. We must continue to vaccinate as many Americans as we can. Um, Recent data from John Hopkins University shows that nearly half the nation's new COVID-19 cases are concentrated in U.S. five states. You mean in five U.S. states? Why why is this person writing everything backwards? Who wrote this? (laughs) Who wrote this? I always want to see the... Natalie O'Neill. Natalie O'Neill? Be better at writing. It's not it's not terrible, but there's some kind of weird stuff. Concentrated in US five states. That's five US states. Come on. Easy. Including New York, which had the most new infections across the country last week. A Democrat state, might I add. Um, as of Wednesday, seventy six percent of seniors and eighty percent of teachers or child care workers had received at least one vaccination shot, she said. Overall, 32% of adults in the U.S. have received at least one shot, according to the CDC data tracking website. More than 556,000 people in the U.S. have died of COVID. That is quite a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Um, all right, let us move on to the next story. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a little bit of like a bittersweet story. I mean, it's good news for sure, but it is, it's a little confusing. I don't really understand Chris, I, I'm going to tell you, I was confused from the beginning of last year <laughs> yeah. when they start this whole COVID. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the data has been confusing, I think, because, you know, part, partly because of the way that they track um, COVID cases uh, or, or COVID deaths specifically. Like like I was saying, the idea that they'll they'll consider you a COVID death if you die with COVID as opposed to dying of COVID. I, I've never understood that. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's a terrible way to to count these things, and it's actually a more it's actually a more problematic way to count these things now that we're recovering. Back, back when we were at sort of the height of the pandemic, it was just a way to increase the hysteria. But now that we're recovering, it's actually critical that we know. I, I don't think. The l- plan- let me finish. Let me finish. It's now that we're recovering. It's critical that we know precisely how many people are dying of COVID, mm-hmm. and we know precisely how many people are. Um, actually, what do they call it, intubated? Or people who are in hospital because of COVID. Because a lot of times, you may be in the hospital for some other reason, but have COVID, and they're like, this person's been hospitalized with COVID. And it's like counted in in the same in the same group as people who are hospitalized because of COVID. And I don't know if they're doing that, because if they're doing that, if they're counting a death with COVID in the same pool as people who are dying of COVID then I'm sure they're counting the people who are hospitalized with COVID as being hospitalized in the same pool as people being hospitalized because of COVID. And I think that's a horrible mistake. I don't think the plan was to increase the hysteria. Right. I think the plan was like this. 
Okay, just in case we will count this death from COVID if it tests positive for COVID. Because if things are that bad, it's better to make them look worse than than actually is. Because if people will find out that we were hiding numbers, right, trying to be accurate, right. but actually is yeah, you, they're, they're, they're trying to be conservative about it, you think? Yes. Well, I think there's probably both things, both factors. I think that people liked high COVID numbers so they could increase the hysteria. And I think that people were afraid of, of, of estimating too low. I think you're probably right. Um, but I, I do think there, there were some people who were, who benefited by stoking hysteria, 100%. especially the news media and politicians. 100%. Um, but I don't think the medical community was doing it in particular. Uh, uh, for nefarious reasons, I think probably that that's why. Like maybe a doctor would. How much money this. you will get uh, from government if you will increase this hysteria? If you are like a clinic, a doctor, you will get more money coming in from the government. There were certainly there are certainly stories about that. How you, people would get more money for. I, d- I didn't know exactly how that worked. I mean, I read stories about it, but I don't remember. It didn't make sense to me. That people were making money. People were working overtime. People yeah. getting paid. Well, well, everybody make money. Everybody made money. Everyone. It's weird. I mean, well, like the, the Democrats always say, they, they never let a crisis go to waste. All right. Let's move on to the next story, darling. Uh, intelligence is a white man's mythology. Yeah, this is a weird story. By the way, Valeria is going by her, her supervillain name today. Two Face. <laughs> anyway, sorry. you mean because of this stupid joke? Yes, that's why. That's what I meant. Yeah, a beautiful, hideous. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's have a look at this. This is essentially a story about a crazy person. Like this is one of these lunatic leftists who are like legitimately crazy. So let's. Let's have a read here. University researcher says, intelligence is a white man's mythology. Now, this is a tweet. I mean, I don't know if this is newsworthy, but it's definitely bizarre. And just another example of how crazy the world has gotten. Um, Let's see here. This is in Campus Reform uh, by Ben Zisloff. A University of Cincinnati graduate student wrote that intelligence is a white man's mythology. Stop calling your female colleagues smart or clever or brilliant wrote Mel Andrews, who studies cognition and evolution. It's sexist and infantilizing. It shouldn't be surprising to you in 2021 that women are capable of thought. I mean, I, 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 I mean, you only hear this really from the most crazy feminists, right? Most women that I've spoken with in my life don't mind being called intelligent. <laughs> if you call a woman smart or clever or brilliant... They think of it positively in the same way as if you call a man smarter, clever, or brilliant. I mean, I think that what she's doing here is assuming that you would never call a male colleague clever or smart or brilliant, which I do all the time, right? I, I'm, a t- I'm, t- I'm typically very encouraging of everyone. I mean, you know, I talk to my buddy Kurt all the time on the phone, right? And if he comes up with a joke that I think is truly brilliant, I'll be like, that's brilliant. You're a genius, right? Uh, you know, if he says something stupid, I'll be like, you're, you're an idiot. idiot. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's just kind of how I talk to people, right? Uh, you know, extremes are fun. Um, but also, some of the stuff he comes up with is brilliant. And uh, we, we develop story ideas together and stuff like that. And uh, 
if I'm writing a story and he comes up with another idea, um, yeah, that that actually improves the story, um, I'm always impressed by that. And it doesn't really have to do with the fact that he's a a woman because uh, he's not. <laughs> he's he's a man. He's a man. It's man. It's a man. <laughs> anyway, but uh, but I, yeah, he's he's a very smart guy and. That's probably the best. I have another friend who's uh, who's a comedian who's like he's trying to get involved with stand up comedy and stuff like that. And he'll call me and he'll run through his his act with me. And he's gay, right? And if he comes up with a joke that's brilliant, I'll say that's brilliant. And I'm not saying it because despite he's, the fact they are gay, <laughs> despite the fact they're gay, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I'm not saying it to infantilize him because he's a homosexual. And I and I have some kind of sense of I don't know what. Uh, you know, like, you know, patronizing him or something like that. I mean, that, mm-hmm. I don't think he thinks that, and I certainly don't think that when I'm saying it. But this girl seems to think that if you call a girl smart or clever or brilliant, it's because you have some kind of like, you're being condescending somehow. But I, I think that's possibly how she thinks, because she may not be the smartest girl in the room. And so if a guy's saying, oh, that's really clever. They might be infantilizing because you might be a moron. <laughs> that might be why. Uh, she writes here, it's sexist and infantilizing. You would never, ever... Ooh, shoot. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, you would never, ever stress how truly bright Brandom is. I don't know who, what the name Brandom comes from. I know Brandon. It might be, it might be a typo. Uh, Brandon is, when, when uh, recommending a spirit of trust... I don't know what the hell that means. Uh, maybe that's something to do with her school or something. Uh, it shouldn't be surprising to you in 2021 that women are capable of thought. God, this is so stupid. I mean, it's bizarre. Like, these feminists have this idea that men all have this sort of deep-seated misogyny and we can't possibly respect a woman's brilliance. It's like the weirdest thing. Like, we just went to a female accountant, right, to, to, to deal with our tax stuff. And I don't think I ever once thought about the fact that she was a woman, and, and you know. Because before we went to two accounts, they are men. Yeah, and they were they weren't that good. Yeah. Well, one of them was okay, but the other one was completely incompetent. Um. But she's great. I mean, she's brilliant. And I said to her, I said, like, it's it's great to 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 work with somebody who is, who's this uh, who's this competent. Uh, I certainly didn't mean mean it in an infantilizing way. I I just don't I just don't recognize the world that this girl's talking about, like the world that this girl exists in. And it kind of goes back to my philosophy about you know how how the left is versus the right is. And people on the right they see the world how it is and they act accordingly. People on the left they don't seem to see the world how it is. They they see black men being executed by police officers you know, thousands of times a year. If you ask a Black Lives Matter, like a white person that's protesting, you know, in a Black Lives Matter protest, and you say how many black men are killed every year, we've seen this. I mean, there's videos online about this. How many black men are killed by police every year? They'll say thousands. Mm -hmm. And it's like... 93. No, no, it's like 13. 19. Huh? I'm talking about unarmed black men. Seven. <laughs> something more like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the average is year by year, but I think last year it was something like, like I think in I think in 2019 nine. it was like nine. A nine, yeah. And then uh-huh. in 2020 it might have been a few more or something like that. But it's it's like in the low teens. 
uh, high single digits. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's not anything like what they think, and it's usually, usually, most of these people who are unarmed are trying to physically attack the police officers. They're who, trying to take a gun and yeah, or something like that. It's, it's incredibly rare that it's even a contested situation. Um, but whenever it is, it gets on the news and it's a big deal. And there's, there's way more white men than black men every year, mm-hmm. a significant number more. And even though, even though the incidents, uh, between, uh, these different two racial groups and police officers is about the same, is about the same. You get about the same number of, of white people interacting with police, uh, in these kinds of situations as you get black people interacting, but, but what more white men are killed. So, so police tend to have tend to, to to kill white men who are unarmed more more often than black men um per incident. Uh I don't want to get into that. Uh let's move on. <laughs> Sorry, but uh this this uh girl says um you're doing the same thing when you describe your black and latino students as very bright added Andrews. Um yeah, you are doing the same thing. You're being nice and honest probably. I, d- I don't think there's any infantilization going on there. There's no condescension. This woman is just dreaming about things. Anyway, the point I was trying to make is that the left believes in th- these fundamental ideas about the world that just aren't true. That it just isn't true that that black men are being m- murdered at these like incredibly high rates. Um, you know, I usually I usually bring up a lot of stuff that's just like simple stuff about the world. Like if you're if you're born with a penis, you're a boy. If you're born with a vagina, you're a girl. And no amount of thinking you're a woman inside changes that. It is like, but they live in this like fantasy version of reality where if you think you're a wolf and you run around the forest barking, you're a wolf. But it's, you're not a wolf. You're a human being. These people are crazy. They, they have these, they also have these very specific delusions. Like, you know, you know, Trump wanted to build the wall because he hates Mexicans, right? And Trump, Trump, Trump uh, hates all black, black Americans. Like, Trump hates the gays. He hates the transgenders. He hates women. He's a misogynist, right? They they build these fantasies up in their mind, and then they live in that world. They live in that world, and and this is a case of that, I think, where she's living in this world where she believes the men around her are misogynists, and then she's applying these misogynist ideas to everything that they say. Certainly, anything that you say can be taken wrong if somebody's looking at it that way all the time. Um, when I used to work in Hollywood, there was this guy that I worked with sometimes. I forget his name. But anyway, he was a gay guy, and I really couldn't stand him. But he was friends with a girl that I was friends with. And so she loved him. And so anytime the three of us were on set, she would hang out with me, and he would hang out with her. And I would therefore have to hang out with him, which is always a freaking nightmare. And uh, he would turn everything into a double entendre, like everything. He was like the most annoying gay dude you could possibly imagine. Like I would be like, uh, "Man, today is today is hard," and he'd be like, "Hard, hard. It really is hard. It's hard today, isn't it? Super hard." And I, he always elbow me, and I'm like, "Dude, stop elbowing me. That wasn't a sexual thing." And he's like, "You sure? Are you sure it wasn't sexual? I think it was." No, no, it wasn't sexual. I was just today's a tough day. And, uh, and then, you know, you'd say something else like, uh, you know, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of thirsty, thirsty for cock. <laughs> it's, he'd say like the most vulgar stuff, every single thing that you'd say, it was, it was some kind of double entendre, some kind of vulgar, nasty thing. 
And uh, he just saw the world that way, right? Because he liked those. What's funny? What are you laughing at? Go on. Jesus is God. So it sounds like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and look, some people do it th- th- like think like that, think in puns, think in double entendres. And actually, they're very skilled at it. And it's very funny. And it's a very interesting way of looking at the world. Um, this guy, it wasn't funny and it wasn't interesting. It was just really, really <laughs> annoying. But, uh, but in the same way, leftists look at the world. It's a lot more serious the way leftists look at the world because they look at, look at the world in this sort of fantasy version of the world and they believe it. They believe it's real. I don't think most people with double entendres really believe, you know, that, that are looking for double entendres really believe that you indicated that, right? They, they're, they know they're making it into a joke to try to make people laugh, of course. But leftists make up these bizarre versions of reality and then they believe it and they live in it. And, and, and they function in a way as if what they're thinking is true. That's why they're so confusing a lot of the time. Because they'll say something about what you're doing, you know, and, and you just look at them like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what you're saying doesn't make any sense because they don't live in the same reality as the rest of us. And that's what's going on here. Um, so then she posts, and this is the really weirdest thing. She posts, intelligence is a white man's mythology. A phantasmal concept, a non-referencing term. Uh, I, I don't even know what this word is. Sinkagoromatic. Uh, sink, sink, <laughs> Andrews wrote. Sinkagoromatic. Now, there is one beast of a big word. I, this is what a lot of these, like, you know, university people, they like to put in these big words to make themselves sound smart. It's like, good job, Mel Andrews. You sound so smart having texted the word or whatever, tweeted the word syncagormatic. Nobody cares that you're able to look up big words, lady, and then memorize them. Nobody cares about that, all right? Nobody thinks you're smart. Everybody thinks you're a moron, probably including the guys around you, which is why you feel like they're infantilizing you, because you act like an infant. All right, let's move on. Uh, Indicating that the post was entirely serious, it was followed by an excerpt from a chapter Andrews wrote for a book entitled Handbook of Parenting. And that, that's the thing. Naturally, people are going to think this has got to be a joke, right? But no, no, this girl's not joking. Andrew cited works uh, claiming that more than a century of wanton reductionism and definitional vagueness in the study of intelligence and human potential has perpetuated a stratified social order and obscured the true dynamic complexity and diversity of human cognitive development. Ooh, lots of other big words. Those are fun. Let's see here. Andrew's most recent research paper received several thousand downloads. I was addressing a phenomenon that I, uh, that I noticed to be common in academic philosophy, wherein individuals emphasize the intelligence of minority scholars uh, and students over the quality of the work they produce, Andrews explained to Campus Reform. It is the same phenomenon that occurs when a, when a white instructor says to a black student in the surprised tone, Oh, you're so articulate. <laughs> I, okay. I mean... Maybe it's just because I went to a crap college, the University of Miami. But I've never heard any university professor turn to a black student surprised and go, Oh, you're so articulate. You're so articulate for a Negro. I wouldn't have expected that. (laughs) Like, what world does she live in? I mean, okay, what school does she go to? I think it says at the beginning. University of Cincinnati. So apparently, at the University of Cincinnati... Cincinnati, commonly university professors turn to black students and go, you are so articulate. (laughs) You know that that has never happened. Maybe in like 1972, not even then. 
probably like 1942, maybe, maybe. Oh, so this woman's crazy. She, she's like, this is, a, this is a dream that she has. She has a dream that this happens. It's never happened. This has probably never happened that she's ever seen, but, she's, but she thinks that it does. Uh, oh, you're so articulate. It implies an expectation that black students will be ineloquent. It was not, as is contextually obvious from what I had initially posted, a condemnation of intelligence ascriptions. Simpliciter. Simpliciter. Is that is that Latin? She threw in a Latin word there? <laughs> God, I hate this girl so, so much. P- stupid people who use big words are the worst people. Okay, let, let me explain this to you. What's her name again? Mel something? Mel Andrews. Mel, if you're going to watch this, which... I highly doubt you'll ever see this. But if you do, if by some miracle you watch it, truly intelligent people don't use big words to confuse people, right? They they only use big words for specificity. And I do this occasionally. I, I will use a word that may be a bit, say, esoteric. But the only reason I'm using it is because it is absolutely 100% the best word for that term and I can't think of a better way to say it than to to say that but if I know it's a bit esoteric and I know some people are going to get confused by it I will then explain that term right smart people do not say things just to sound smart they don't use words just to sound smart right stupid people who want people to think they're smart will use big words they know people won't understand so that people think oh she's using words I don't understand she must be so smart (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and granted, it's a fairly good technique. Some people are tricked by this. Some people do will believe that you're smart because you used a few big words. But smart people will not think you're smart. Smart people <laughs> will think that you're a moron pretending to be smart. That's just a little bit of advice, okay? What, what, what do I, I'm going to call those advice things? I'm, I'm going to make some advice videos. I'm going to call them... Um, what, did, what did I call it? Oh, yeah. Well, with this one weird trick... <laughs> with this one weird trick you could you too can make people think that you're smart uh yeah but it's 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 such a bad trick because people smart people will know that you're a stupid person trying to be smart and i i used to do it actually the, the reason i know that that stupid people who are trying to sound smart do this is because when i was really young i'd say probably like 17 18 which is not really young but a bit young I, I did kind of the same thing. I wasn't necessarily trying to sound smart, but I liked old books. So I'd always read like Dickens and stuff like that. And, and within Dickens and some of these older books, you, you have uh, like Sherlock Holmes, you know, as well. You have these uh, words that are, are not really used anymore. Uh, they're kind of like these, I don't know, anachronistic, you might call them or something. I don't know, they're not really anachronistic. I mean, to be used today, they would be considered anachronistic. But they're just words that you don't, you don't hear today. But I liked these, cool, these words. I thought they were cool. So I would use them. And I also kind of thought that people would recognize that I had, I was some, had some degree of intellect because I was using these words that aren't used so much anymore. It wasn't necessarily intent, but I kind of thought that. But what I found was that people uh, just thought I was an idiot and I was trying to sound smart. <laughs> So, so I stopped doing that. Uh, but what I found in subsequent years is it's best to be as clear as possible. If you're truly an intelligent person and you want to communicate an idea clearly, just say what you're thinking as simply and clearly as you can. That is what intelligent people do. To, to say something in an esoteric way that, that nobody can understand, this convoluted language, uh, you're just going to annoy most people. And then the people that you do impress are going to be idiots anyway. 
<laughs> and the most people who are intelligent that you want to impress are just going to look down on you and think you're an idiot. All right, let me finish this off. Um, Ascriptions Simpliciter. What a genius she is. <laughs> okay, the handbook is a, is, is a text written for scholars on the field of developmental psychology. It would not be used in undergraduate or even graduate coursework. Andrews clarified... <laughs> This is a handbook for scholars, okay? I am so smart. I am too smart for undergraduate students. I'm too smart for graduate students. These are people who are who already have their doctorate, and they're just so smart. They're just unbelievably smart. That's what my work is for, because my work is so br- like it's so funny because I didn't even I hadn't even read that part before I gave my little psychological uh, diagnosis of this girl, you know, trying to sound smart using her big words. This is just more evidence of that. I mean, this girl is so desperate for people to think that she's smart. This is pathetic. This is this is a weak human being. I, I shouldn't say well, this. she's that's using big words. Maybe this girl needs some something else is big. Okay. Valeria! Valeria! <laughs> I am so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That was... Just to shut her up. Did you? Is that somebody's comment, or did you come up with that? No. Oh, that is that is terrifying. I am sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That Please was a, somebody comment so that, I can say it's somebody commented. That was a terribly vulgar joke, and I and I highly disapprove. <laughs> I will read the last sentence, and then we'll move on to the next story. Andrew's also asked to be referred to as a Marxist and an anarcho. Well, hold on. Oh my gosh, an anarcho syndicalist. Okay. With they, them, theirs pronouns, adding, your readers should love that. Okay, well, at least she knows that we think she's a moron. <laughs> at least she's a, that self-aware. A, Marco, a Marxist and an anarcho-syndicalist. Oh, my God. Even, the, even what she wants to be referred to as is some kind of esoteric BS. An anarcho-syndicalist. Give me a break. Oh, this woman is insufferable. It's a multisyllabic word that's that's understandable. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard to move past that joke, darling. Oh, everybody likes it. Do not encourage her. Do not encourage my wife to say vulgar things. That's terrible, woman. Yes. Okay, it was pretty funny. Shall we move on to the next story? He will beat me later. We'll beat you later, yes. Okay. With something big. Sorry, next story. Next story is huge. Huge. Uh, Biden rolls out new executive orders on gun control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty annoying. Look, um, I actually didn't really want to cover this story because I think everybody's probably covering it, but I thought it was something that was such an important, such a big story, you might say. That uh, it, it did need to be covered. Let's see here. Well, all right. Let's go ahead and play this uh, let's, this audio here. Today, I'm announcing several initial steps my administration is taking to curb this epidemic of gun violence. Much more need be done, but the first, first, want to rein in the proliferation of so-called ghost guns. These are guns that are homemade, built from a kit and include directions on how to finish the firearm. You can go buy the kit. They have no serial numbers. So when they show up at a crime scene, they can't be traced. 
and the buyers aren't required to pass a background check to buy the kit to make the gun. Consequently, anyone, anyone from a criminal to a terrorist can buy this kit in as little as 30 minutes put together a weapon. You know, I want to see these kits treated as firearms under the Gun Control Act, which is going to require that the seller and manufacturers make the key parts with serial numbers and run background checks on the buyers when they walk in to buy that package. All right, so that was not really the same part of the uh, of the speech that we're going to cover here, but that's pretty funny too, this idea that a- a- any kind of like kit that's sold to build a gun also has to have a serial number the same way as the gun does. Um, it's kind of a weird proposition because it's sort of like any cr- craft. Like that would be a very difficult thing to regulate. And I'll tell you why. Well, there's a variety of reasons why, but imagine that somebody wants to make a gun from scratch. And the idea is that he's got to get a registration for it. And we have to have a law about that and that kind of thing. Like, I mean, it's 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 a doable thing, I suppose. You could you could definitely, if you see somebody with a gun that's not registered, um, you you could potentially they could be in trouble for not having registered the gun. I don't know about having a kit registered. You'd maybe want them to register the final product, but I don't understand really registering the kit, how that how that works. I don't know. Because you could have people just making guns from scratch. Are those guns you, you don't have to register them? Or? I, don't I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, it's kind of a weird. A lot of people have uh, criticized that as being a, a, a terrible idea. Um, but let's go ahead and read this article and see what they have to say about this. Biden declares no amendment to Constitution is absolute as he rolls out gun measures. See, this is the thing that I really don't like because he is he's saying that he's saying that no no constitutional amendment is absolute in the sense that um, you know you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. There's certain there's certain limitations on your freedom of speech in the same way there's certain limitations on. Um, on weapons, we can't just buy like a nuclear bomb. We can't mm-hmm. have a nuclear bomb. An Amer- if an American citizen owns a nuclear bomb, and the American government doesn't know about it and hasn't said that's good, that's okay, you can go ahead and have that nuclear bomb, which mm-hmm. I don't think they would ever do. But let's say that they, you know, that, that's a possibility, I guess. Like the Manhattan Project, right? These guys were dealing with nuclear weapons, developing the atomic bomb. Obviously, to some degree, they had it in their possession because they're working with the federal government. But anyway, um. You're not allowed to have a nuclear weapon. That That's fine. I think most people agree that that's okay. But I think what he said, what he said, he was trying to say is there's no, you know, there's no absolutes. You can't have any kind of weapon. But the thing is, that's not really something that's debated. So what is he saying here that's that's sort of different or what what is, what is the message he's trying to convey? And what I think is he's trying to convey here in the same way he's he's talking about language is that the way Democrats see it, because there are no absolutes with these constitutional amendments, these constitutional amendments can really be interpreted in any way they want. So you can say nobody can have a nuclear bomb, but we can have every other kind of weapon. Mm-hmm. That would be like one extreme. Or the other extreme could be like, 
you're allowed to have mace. You're allowed to have pepper spray. We're going to classify pepper spray as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to have any other weapons. If we find any other weapons, you're going to prison. Pepper spray, on the other hand, is okay. It was funny, actually. I was talking to somebody today about the capital, you know, the capital protest, which they're calling an insurrection. And I and I I told them I'm like, you know, Democrats lie because they're calling it an armed insurrection. Like that's like to me that's it's like that's an obvious example of something. That's an obvious lie. And this this person said. Uh, what did he say? He said, so you're saying that the guy with the zip ties didn't have a weapon. And I'm like, first of all, those weren't his zip ties. He found them. They were, the police had these zip ties and he found them and he was returning them to a police officer, which has been, which has been noted by the way, in a court of law. That's, that's not something that's even being disputed anymore. And then he said that the spear that was being held by the shaman guy was supposedly a weapon. And I'm like, first of all, I don't even remember having a spear. But if he did, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess you could call it a weapon. <laughs> do, do, would you call the the paint that he had on his face war paint? Would you consider the animal skins? Yes. Like, I, sure. the guy was obviously like a showman. He didn't try to attack anyone with his spear, if that's even what he had. So. I certainly would not call that a weapon. That's like saying, would you consider this actor on a stage with a plastic uh, uh, sword armed? No, I would not call a guy on a stage with a plastic sword armed. Of course I wouldn't, because that's insane. Uh, and in the same way, this showman with like, if, if he did have a spear, I don't even remember him having it. Did he have a spear? Is that like a real, I'm going to look that up. I know I'm wasting you guys' time, but I don't care. I want to see. Um, what What is he called? The uh, Capital... Hill Shaman. Let's see here. Images. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does have a spear. He does have a spear. It's the flag that he has. So he mm-hmm. has a flag with a spear point. <laughs> a spear point. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can show you guys here. So this is the spear that we're talking about. Um, and that, that does look kind of dangerous. So yeah, it is. So I guess if you were going to say that it was an armed insurrection, this is this is the the weapon that we're talking about because there weren't any other weapons that I'm aware of that went into the Capitol, um, except pepper spray. So then the, the the last thing that the guys that I was talking to was like, well, these insurrectionists had pepper spray, mm-hmm. and so they had pepper spray, they had zip ties, and they had the shaman spear, and th- this. This justifies the mainstream media calling it an armed insurrection. No, it absolutely doesn't. And I'll tell you why it doesn't. Because if it had been Black Lives Matter going in, and they had had a shaman with a spear, and they had had pepper spray, and they had had zip ties, no one would have called that an armed insurrection. None of the people that are calling this an armed insurrection would have called that an armed insurrection. And there's no amount of convincing that could have made them call it an armed insurrection because that's ridiculous. Nobody considers these to be weapons. That spear was a, sh- a show object. It had nothing to do with mm-hmm. weaponry. The zip ties were found uh, uh, and left over by cops. And the uh, I don't know of anybody who calls pepper spray a weapon. I mean, I guess you could call it that. But even then, you wouldn't say the person, anyone with pepper spray is armed. Well, I guess I'm armed. I know you're armed. You're armed all the time. Uh, 
But anyway, um, yeah, so, but let's say that they do call pepper spray a weapon. You could say every single weapon is banned in America except for pepper spray. That's the weapon that you're allowed to have. That could be an interpretation of the Second Amendment, you know, the way that that, uh, Biden is talking about this. They want to be able to ban anything. Um, But anyway, let's let's read here. So Washington, uh, this is Washington, D.C., obviously. Um, President Biden on Thursday announced a slew of new gun control measures after a recent pair of high-profile mass shootings and insisted the Second Amendment doesn't grant an absolute right to own guns. Biden, I mean, it's a bizarre thing to say because it doesn't really change anything in the conversation. We obviously know that there are some weapons that are banned in America. You have to have special licenses to have and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. We all know that. Yeah. So for him to sit there and be like, uh, it's not absolute. That, to me, that's just an indication that he just wants to severely restrict the, the rights that we already have. You know, the way that, that we the system are, already exists. Uh, Biden presented the executive actions in the Rose Garden, joined by Attorney General Merrick Garland and Vice President Kamala Harris. All degenerates. Um, <clears throat> I don't know much about Merrick Garland. I shouldn't say that about him. Let's see here. No amendment to the Constitution is absolute, Biden maintained, pointing to the famous Supreme Court ruling that you can't yell fire in a crowded theater as part of the First Amendment's free speech clause. You can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater and call it freedom of speech from the very beginning. You couldn't own any weapon you wanted to own from the very beginning uh, that the Second Amendment existed. Certain people weren't allowed to have weapons. So the idea is just bizarre to suggest that some of the things we're commenting, sorry, we're recommending are contrary to the Constitution, he said. No, it's not bizarre. It's not bizarre. That's not bizarre. Because there's always an argument about which weapons should be legal, you know, without really, you know, without much regulation mm-hmm. at all. And which that's this conversation's been going on for years and years and years and years. And the more we limit our constitutional right to bear arms, uh the more we uh, uh you know, the more conservatives think you're in, potentially infringing on the rights of Americans. And the more freedom that you give them to have weapons, um, the more you are in keeping with the Second Amendment in the view of most conservative Americans. Now, you know, leftists tend to acknowledge, at least a lot of leftists I've spoken with, tend to acknowledge that they don't like the Second Amendment. They don't like that people have the right to have weapons, to, to bear arms. They don't like that. Um, some people will even go as far as to argue, well, no, it only says you have the right to bear arms uh, if you're part of a militia, which is not true. You know, that's not how the Second Amendment has ever been interpreted. But a lot of people want to interpret it that way because they don't want individuals to be able to have guns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not the way the Constitution was written. Um, let's read here. In fact, I tweeted about this today. What did I write? Oh. We got we got audio? We're still good? Uh looks like yeah. Okay, just making sure. I'm gonna check my Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. I wish I had hold music that I could play because Valeria does not fill the silence. Because I don't know what to with say. dialogue. I don't know. Okay, this is from Samuel Adams. He said, the Constitution shall never be construed to prevent the people of the United States who have peaceable citizens from keeping their own arms. That's a quote from Samuel Adams that I tweeted today. And that is 
That's it. That's what the founding fathers wanted. They wanted people to be able to have their own arms to protect themselves in their homes and as a deterrent against government tyranny, right? The, it's those two things. For us to protect ourselves against villains, protect mm-hmm. ourselves from government tyranny. Obviously, a lot of people use them as tools for hunting as well. But those are the primary reasons we have the Second Amendment. Protect ourselves in our homes and to guard against government tyranny. Tyranny or tyranny? I don't know. Tyranny, probably. Me not know how to speak so good. Um, but this is the other thing. He says, you can't yell fire in a, a crowded movie theater and call it freedom of speech. That, to me, is a very telling thing for him to to express, like a, a second idea that he wants to express, because they're trying to take away our First Amendment rights as well. They're trying to limit as much of our First Amendment as they can. They're trying to limit as much of our Second Amendment as they can. I, you know, and I don't even think they care that much about the rest of them. <laughs> I think, I mean, obviously, they, they want to limit all of our freedoms, but, but those two, I think, are the ones they're really going after, because, you know, it helps. It helps the left. The left... Uh, all right, so he says, uh, gun violence in this country is an epidemic. Let me say it again. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic, and it's an international embarrassment. The two most widely anticipated measures uh, measure instructs the Justice Department to issue a proposed regulation within 30 days to undermine the at-home manufacture of so-called ghost guns, which can be made with equipment that drills and folds metal, uh, metal parts. Activists who oppose gun control have promoted the technology. Well, how about this? How about just go through Congress? Why don't you just propose legislation like every other president does? Why why don't you just have legislation, go through Congress like normal, and then sign off on the legislation? Why does it have to be executive orders all the time? It's almost like Joe Biden is is producing these executive orders on purpose. I don't really know why he would do that. It's just like to show off that, like, we don't care about the, like, the, like, the, the rules don't apply to us anymore. Like, we're not America like you knew. We're a new version of America, it's right? Posture. We've built back better. Yeah, we, we, no, we no longer have a government with uh, checks and balances. We just have, you know, the Biden administration, and that's it. There is no more Congress. There is no more Supreme Court. It's just the executive branch, and that's it. And Biden doesn't even run it. It's whatever, like, mm-hmm. puppeteers are. Somebody sent me a joke today, actually. It was somebody who watches the show. What do they write? Oh, I can't find it now. Son of a... Oh, such a shame. I don't remember. You need to take a screenshot. Huh? Take a screenshot next time. I think they, they posted a... Who was it? What did they, they must have sent it on some other kind of a messaging service. Or I can't find it now. But they, they wrote something like... Um, they sent me a picture of... Um, a marionette puppet and then a picture of Joe Biden. And they say, what is the difference between this marionette puppet and Joe Biden? And it was like, we know who's pulling the strings of this marionette puppet. <laughs> and, they, and they looked very similar, right? I wish I would have had that picture. But anyway. Um, oh, you know what? I do have it. It doesn't matter. I know where it is. I just don't know the guy. I just don't know who this guy is that wrote this to me, but... It's uh, Biden and Walter the Dummy. Walter the Dummy, I think, is kind of a known dummy. He looks a lot like Joe Biden. I don't know if you guys can see that, but that's the picture he sent me. And then he said, what's the difference between Biden and Walter the Dummy? We know who's handling Walter. Oh, that was pretty funny. Kind of a brilliant, uh, brilliant joke. 
Um, but yeah, whoever his handlers are, it's almost like they want people to know we don't have to go through the legislative legislative branch. We just make up our own rules and that's it. And we just sign executive orders and that's it. It's really, really weird. I don't understand why they're doing it this way. I know it's quicker, but aren't people going to realize that they are that this is like corrupt and that they shouldn't be doing this? I mean, almost everything Joe Biden is doing is going to be knocked down by the Supreme Court. I mean, unless they pack the court, which is possible. Um, all right. Another action orders the Justice Department to issue a regulation within 60 days that would make clear when a device marketed as a stabilizing brace effectively turns a pistol into a short-barreled rifle subject to the requirements of the National Firearms Act. Good Lord. They're just being more and more annoying, aren't they? How dare you stabilize that pistol? Now it's a rifle. It's a totally different classification. The White House uh, said in a fact sheet... I mean, the, the problem is they're just making more and more and more and more and more, uh, you, know, leg you know, red tape and regulations. So it's just more and more difficult to own a gun, to do anything with a gun. Like, you know, they're just being like... Um, just being like Democrats, really. Um, anyway, the point is a lot of these rights a lot of these uh, restrictions and regulations that they're doing um they will not curtail the gun crime they will not curtail the the number of tragedies that are occurring in america the, nothing that they're doing is going to is going to be remotely effective and part of the reason is because they won't face the fact that most of the gun crime that occurs in america is from young black men killing other young black men right that's really the primary problem they need a if they really want to get rid of murders in America by gun, they need to tackle that issue. And uh, they don't want to talk about that because that would make them, they're like, oh, no, people are going to think we're racist. We can't talk. We can't admit that black people are doing most, you know, committing most of the murders in America. That would be, that would sound racist. So we can't do that. So they, they go after the guns instead. I mean, this is really, I think this is at least part why Democrats do this is so that they don't have to actually face the realities of, uh, you know, the culture problem that we have. But anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, Joe Biden's trying to crack down on the, the gun thing more and more and more, and he's just going to piss people off, and uh, I don't know, guys. I don't, I don't know how we're going to get Joe Biden out of office here. I hope we can do it. Uh, 2022, let's try to get as many of the Republicans in as we can, and then we can really shut down the Biden administration. But we, he won't be there for long, at least. Fortunately, he'll soon A be gone. Year. Huh? A year? Something like that, but... The the sad part of that is that we're going to get somebody probably worse. worse. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, darling. Yes. It's all you. Biden tax hikes will cost one million jobs. One million jobs, yeah. So there's a new... Is it about corporate tax? Yeah, there's a new study out, and it's indicated that uh, we're going to lose a million jobs from his, from his tax hikes. Uh, if President Joe Biden's corporate tax increases uh, and other changes to the tax code are passed unchanged. About a million jobs will be lost in the first two years. In the first two years. Isn't that crazy? Following passage of uh, passage and... Okay, sorry. Following passage and economic activity will also decrease according to a new economic study. And they've got a link to it here. This is in the Epoch Times. The study by the National Association of Manufacturers, conducted by Rice University economists, found Biden's infrastructure plans 
would cause a barrage of negative consequences. Biden has called for a corporate tax increase to 28% from the current 21%. This study tells us quantitatively what manufacturers from coast to coast will tell you uh, qualitatively. Increasing the tax burden on companies in America means fewer American jobs. I mean, this is something that we've talked about quite a bit is like, is like uh, one one of the reasons that we did so well under Trump is that he he deregulated a lot and he reduced taxes. And so we had this huge economic boom. We had all this employment. Mm-hmm. We had this uh, increased prosperity. And we had this increase in quality of life, which is what I was talking about earlier in the show. Um, the fact that Democrats deny the the the... the benefit that we received from Trump's leadership is, is, is a little bit weird because even though we know how much they hate him, it's so blatantly obvious. It's like, it's like, it's like we're both looking at a red balloon and the Democrats like, uh, that's not a red balloon. That's a green balloon. And you're just looking at them like, okay, I know you don't like balloons, but that's a red balloon. I'm sorry. The balloon's red. It's like, nope, it's it's green. I hate balloons and I I will not admit that that balloon is red. It's just like it's like you're listening to a crazy person when you listen to Democrats talk about Trump. They're they're just crazy. All right, moving on. Uh the study tells us quantity okay, blah 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 blah. I already read that. The study calculated the effects of increasing the corporate tax rate, increasing the top marginal tax rate, repealing the 20% uh, pass-through deduction, eliminating certain expenditures, sorry, expensing provisions and other actions outlined in Biden's infrastructure proposal. The other consequences incru- include the GDP shrinking by $117 billion by 2023, $190 billion in 2026, and ni- $119 billion in 2031. Total employment, which is tracked by the number of hours worked, would also fall by 0.7% initially before moderating. The reduction in hours worked equals an employment loss of 1 million full-time jobs in 2023. By 2026, these jobs would still be gone before later stabilizing. According to the study, the average annual reduction of employment would be equivalent to a loss of 600 jobs each year over 10 years. That is insane. And it actually goes on with more and more and more details. If you want to read this article, it's in the Epoch Times. Biden's corporate tax hikes would cost 1 million jobs. I mean... It's devastating. It's devastating. Uh, another conversation I had earlier today with somebody was about how, <clears throat> you know, I, I asked why Democrats hate Donald Trump so much the, to a Democrat. And this Democrat said to me, um, they listed all of these uh, ways in which Trump was unqualified for, for presidential office. Which was really a weird way of arguing the point, because this was like a point that should have been made, you know, in like 2016 when he was running. This idea that, oh, he's unqualified. And it was an argument that was made when he was running. But the problem is that you can speculate all you want about how a businessman might run a country versus somebody who's had, who's, you know, who's actually worked in government previously, who's had the experience, right? But we don't have to do that anymore. We actually have what happened, right? What happened exists. We can look into the history of what Trump did and how the economy went and, and, and yeah. what happened. We don't have to speculate about how Trump can do something. And also this idea that a businessman could not run a country better than a politician. Yeah, yeah. who's sitting in the office for 47 years not doing anything. 
Yeah, that's where I, yeah, yeah, you you knew where I was going with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, certainly, I think certainly people would logically come to the conclusion that if you've run a country or you've run a state or you've, you've been in government before, then you're maybe better qualified to work in government than somebody who's never worked in government because you have some, some, some kind of experience. That's, I think, how a lot of people would think about it. But the problem is there's a lot of people that work in government that are terrible at their jobs, right? Like, I, I mean, if you grabbed somebody off the street who was a great artist, who just drew things really, really well, and you say, we need a cartoonist mm-hmm. to draw our comic strip, and they said, okay, I've never drawn a comic strip, but I'll give it a shot, but they're a good artist, right? You might end up with a great comic strip, but... If you bring in somebody who's worked in comics for like 30 years, but they've never been really good, a good artist, they've just, you know, they had their, their dad owned a comic company or something like that, and they just worked at the job, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the best at that job. I mean, okay, comic book's probably a bad example because most people who draw comics can already draw. But you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people work jobs in this world that aren't good at their job. There's a lot of people that aren't good at their job. And it's like... Why do we assume that if somebody's done a job before and they have experience, relevant experience, that means they're necessarily going to be great? It really doesn't. And why do we think that somebody who's never done the job before can't possibly do it? Well, if they've had experience that is transferable, even if it's not direct experience, they haven't done that job specifically, but they've done other jobs which actually could potentially make them even better suited for the job than somebody who's had that experience, that would actually make them more attractive that should make them more attractive for that job so this idea that somebody doesn't have experience in politics therefore they can't be a politician it's just ridiculous first of all secondly a lot of these politicians have not been looking to do things in a way that is the most efficient and the most effective because they only know politics they only know how to work as a politician trump knew how to work as a businessman which gave him a totally different insight into how to get things done. And you know what he did? He got things done. He was one of the most effective, probably the most effective president in history. Of all the stuff he tried to get done, he probably got more stuff done than any president ever. Ever. And Democrats might hate him for doing things they don't like, but you cannot possibly make the argument that he was not effective. It may not. He was maybe too effective if you're a Democrat and you don't like the things that he did. But a lot of times Democrats look at what Trump did and they say, you know, and they don't even recognize all the good things he did for black, you know, the black community in America or for gay people in America or for gay people throughout the world. Even he signed like some kind of I don't remember what it was exactly, some kind of legislation to try to combat <clears throat> the sort of murder and abuse of gay people around the world. He was trying to fight fight against that, which is fantastic. I mean, he did a lot of great stuff, I think. Uh, that the left would love. He like assigned a lot of new land for national parks, and he did a lot of stuff that leftists should love, but they never look at that stuff because they don't want to believe that Trump did anything that they might like. Are you going to fall asleep? No. You look like you're about to pass I'm out. Tired. All right, we are almost done. Uh, let me just... Yeah. Okay, basically, at the end of the day, Joe Biden does not know how to effectively run the country. He certainly doesn't know how to present an appropriate um, fiscal plan. And the truth is, we all know that Biden's not the smartest guy. So it's not even Biden that's doing this. It's 
the Biden people. It's the Biden controllers. And they're all these far left Democrats and they have this vision for how the world should be. And they're putting in all this like Green New Deal crap that's just going to devastate the economy. And they know it and they don't care. Whoever's making up this infrastructure plan is intentionally ruining the U.S. economy. And I don't really know how to fight against it because Republicans aren't in power right now. But we need to at least be aware of it uh, because it is devastating and it's tragic. And this is what happens when you elect Democrats or they somehow get into office. All right. Shall we move on to the next story? Sorry, darling. There's just one more. There is just one more. Better to be quick or I'm just going <clears> to. <throat> you want to read it? Yes. You, you, having tr- you want me to read it? <laughs> no. Okay. Students outraged professor has empathy for Trump supporters. Empathy. 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 Ah, it's the word empathy you're having trouble with. Yeah. Yes. I was like, what? Are, what yeah. Are students. Students. Okay. Let's let me go ahead and switch to the. Uh, this view. Okay. Students seek to oust professor who's explained motivation of peaceful Trump voters. He has he seemed to have some empathy for Trump voters. All right. Let's see here. So this is. Uh, Again, by Ben Zisloft, whose article I liked earlier. This is also campus reform. And let's see if this one's any good. So, a professor explained the motivation behind those who peacefully attended the January 6th rally in D.C. Students are now demanding that that university discipline him. How dare he explain the motivations of these protesters? In an essay for the American Mind, philosophy professor Joshua Hochschild at... uh, Mount St. Mary's University at Emmitsburg, Maryland, detailed the sentiments of Trump voters from the announcement of his candidacy to the events of January 6th. Uh, They know that even if the rally does not actually help Trump politically, it promises to draw attention to problems with our electoral system and to testify to the importance of peaceful domestic protests. Uh, Hochschild said of the peaceful uh, members of the crowd, maybe there will be a uh, a resolved will to reform the system and ensure that people can trust elections next time. Huckshall then noted the reactions of average Trump voters to the media exploiting the awful travesty of some people's inexcusable violence to delegitimize and shame every responsible citizen who took reasonable and lawful means to raise legitimate questions about the election integrity. Well, that's right. I mean, there were a few people who broke windows and, you know, caused some kind of damage and a little bit of chaos uh, and were unruly. Maybe some of them were kind of pushing against police and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I didn't see anybody throw a punch or do anything particularly violent mm-hmm. like that, but there was some pushing and shoving and some some nastiness. And there were like thousands of Trump supporters there, and there was like what, like maybe a couple of dozen people who were a bit rowdy, and they they weren't even really that violent. But the people who were totally peaceful are being accused of insurrection, along with the people who like broke windows and stuff like that. And I mean, none of them were insurrectionists that's obviously true but especially not the people who just sort of casually strolled through the capitol building like to me that's like the weirdest thing i mean it's so obviously corrupt that they're persecuting these there there was a a guy i don't remember who he was he um tucker carlson had him you know was was talking about him the other day uh the chief prosecutor i think that's that's going after these people who are at the Capitol, and he specifically said he's going after a shock and awe strategy. He wants to shock Americans uh, into basically being afraid of doing anything like this again. And his his perspective is that this is okay because he does see these these protesters as insurrectionists, and he thinks they're so dangerous and so evil that they have to be, that they have to be, um, 
um, I guess, like, scared into submission, which is, is like, I can understand saying that about a foreign enemy, but about your own people in America? I mean, that guy does not deserve the job he has. This guy's a dangerous prosecutor. He should not be uh, have that position. Um, okay, let's see here. So then he says, uh, perhaps you hope you can offer some perspective, tell your side of things, but it's too late. The media spin is overwhelmingly effective, he wrote. Nobody will listen. They have made up their minds. They sincerely believe the lies, the disinformation, the emotional manipulation. They sincerely believe you are a dangerous traitor simply for going to D.C. and voicing reasonable skepticism. Man, I love this guy. I don't even know if he's a Republican or Democrat, but he is spot on with what he's saying here. Though Hawk's child... Uh, specific, uh, sorry, explicitly said that those who rioted at the Capitol building on January 6th were stupid, shameful, and lawless, which I don't agree with. Uh, students believe that he presented excessive grace, <laughs> how dare he, uh, to those who participated in the rallies. Nearly 1,800 individuals signed a petition calling for Hawkschild's resignation, according to WUSA. Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know what WUSA is. Uh Oh, I think that's a news, that's a local news channel. Um, Hawkschild attended the protest on January 6th. Mount St. Mary University issued a statement on Twitter following the student backlash, stating that they support academic freedom. And I love that. And that's the reason I really wanted to talk about this story. This is the first time I've ever read about a university actually telling their students to back off and leave this university professor alone because the professor said something conservative. I've never seen that ever. And so this is like the first time I ever said, I love that. This is obviously like a private Catholic school of some kind, I guess. I don't know. I don't know who, about this university. A statement from Provost Boyd Creesman, PhD, regarding reaction to a recent article published by Professor Joshua Hawkschild, PhD. So this is, this is a tweet. The statement says, statement from Provost Boyd Creesman, PhD. One of the cornerstones of American higher education is academic freedom, which preserves the intellectual integrity of our educational system and serves the, the public good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Academic freedom gives both uh, faculty and students the right to express their views respectfully without fear of sanction. While everybody is free to disagree, to agree or disagree with, uh, with what some members of our community believe, we all have a vested interest in protecting the right to speak as a private citizen. This might seem unfair in certain contexts, but it does preserve a higher uh, higher good. We must all work to navigate that reality together. Part of our effort is uh, to evolve into a better university while striving for racial and social justice. Then, 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 racial and social, give me a break. Uh, part of that is uh, uh, is our working together to reach greater understanding of each other's views and discern the facts about the state of our society. This must be done with mutual respect. I, I mean, I love that. The fact that I, I mean, obviously I don't like the whole racial and social justice thing. The word justice should not have anything in front of it. It should just be justice. That's it. You don't need racial justice, you need social justice. You just need justice. Um, so I don't like that. But, you know, the fact that they, they that this stuff needs to be done with mutual respect. I mean, good Lord, how often do you hear that kind of stuff from a university? That's amazing. Um, and then they're going to do this diversity equality or equity and inclusion task force crap, which I don't even want to read that. That's just embarrassing. Um, so then uh, Hawkschild says the same, continues here. He says, uh, while I will allow individuals to make their own judgment upon the article, uh, I find this to be yet another example of a Mount... Prof oh, sorry. No, no, this is... Who is this talking? I don't know what this is. This is related. That's not the article. I what, think. No, no, no. This is the article. Oh, okay. Um, 
after we get to this, this is some kind of quote from like a student or something like that. Although, okay, I don't really understand this, but they didn't. Okay. Ben Zisloft, I love your writing, but you should have made clear who this quote is from <laughs> because I have no idea. Let's see here. While I will allow individuals to make their own judgment upon the article, I find this to be yet another example of a Mount professor, a professor of this university, uh, proving that the benefit of the doubt is reserved for white Americans only. <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, wrote, okay, there we go. Wrote petition author and class of 2001 member Bree Perdee. Bree Perdee. Okay. I find it repulsive that Hochschild calls for respectability and humanity when the actions of Trump supporters on January 6th proved less proved to be less than that i i don't like the people that he's defending and therefore this this guy doesn't shouldn't shouldn't be allowed to defend them uh i find it telling that he asks for decency when there are prominent white supremacists rubbing elbows at the same event as he and others uh, or sorry and proudly boasting racial symbolism along with the american flag i really don't like that a lot of people are keep keep invoking this thing about white supremacists at the january at the january 6th protest which i guess there were some uh, like white supremacists there, like a, a couple, I don't know, maybe like two or something. I don't even know. I, I don't know. I haven't really seen much about this whole white supremacy thing. There's just this accusation that there was these white supremacists there. But when people invoke this white supremacist thing, it makes it sound like a lot of white supremacists were there. And I, I've only seen a couple of reports talking about the white supremacists, and they've tied like two people that I saw reported to white supremacists. But even if it's like 10 or something like that, there were thousands of people there. Thousands of people there. Tying the protesters to white supremacy is, to me, totally disingenuous. This is like this is like the worst lie they could possibly tell because it it's such a it's it evokes such emotion. Like it's going to upset people. And they know that, and that's why they're using it. They want people to believe that the protesters that tr- that support Trump were white supremacists. Total lie. Total lie. I'm sorry. Maybe there was a couple white supremacists there. I don't know. This idea that the Trump supporters are white supremacists is such a terrible, terrible lie. I, I hate it because I'm a, I am a Trump supporter. I am not a white supremacist. And nobody I know is. Nobody I know who is a Trump supporter is a white supremacist. And it's such a vicious lie. It's such an insidious lie. But it, it allows leftists to feel good about themselves. Like I'm on the good side because I'm not a white supremacist and my group isn't associated with them. Yeah, you're just associated with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, who are both racist groups who hate white people. But that's okay. That's okay. And they're openly racist as well. Whereas, at least with conservatives, we'll say, we don't agree with the white supremacists. They're not part of our group. They may try to join our group, but they're not part of our group. Whereas leftists will say, yes, we love Black Lives Matter. We love Antifa. You love racists. We do not. Conservatives are the not racist group. Democrats are the racist group. All right. Uh, and, and what's particularly striking about that is she says that, you know, these people prove to be less, less than uh, respectable. But just the other day, BLM protesters, including George, George Floyd's nephew, stormed the Iowa State Capitol. Did you hear about this? No. Yeah, yeah. There's just, there's, look, I'll show you some video from this. This is pretty crazy. Uh, What's the deal? Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa,
What the fuck are you doing, bro? What you doing, bro? She's a kid. Hey, she's a fucking kid, bro. What the fuck are you doing, bro? Yo, that's a fucking kid, bro. Yo, that's a kid, bro. Yo, that's a kid, bro. That's a kid, bro. That's a kid. That's a fucking kid. That's a kid. Get the fuck off her. That's a kid, dude. Man, get the fuck off her, bro. Dude, that's a fucking kid, man. Dude, that's a motherfucking kid, dude. What the fuck are you doing, dude? That's a fucking kid right there. That's a fucking kid. Man, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? Yo, 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 yo. See, that's that bullshit. You're arresting her because she asked what's your badge number? 2018 Hernandez. Hernandez, you mad because. What's your badge number? What the fuck are you putting your bitch I apologize for the language in that video. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, that looked like an armed insurrection to me, Valeria. I think all those people need to be arrested. And uh, rounded up by the FBI. Why, why aren't the FBI looking for everybody in that video? And rounded, they walked into the Capitol. I saw them in there. So they existed in the Capitol. They were uh, pushing police officers. They must be armed insurrectionists. I don't know why we're not arresting them all. Do you understand that? They're kids. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the people that went into the Capitol on January 6th were kids. Well, in the sense that they were young. None of these people, I don't, you think any of these people were actual children? Under 18, I think. How do you know? Because you just looked at the video just now? Mm -hmm. How old were they? I don't know, for me they look young. Like? Under 21. Well, that's not under 18. Well. <laughs> I'm sure there were 21-year-olds at the Capitol as well mm -hmm. that are that the FBI is trying to round up. Anyway, point is... You know, we have two systems of government now in America. We have the, the government that goes after conservatives and persecutes us. And we have the, the government that basically finds Democrats innocent of everything. And they get let go of everything. If you're, if you're black or you're, you know, Hispanic and you, you, you commit a, a vicious crime, a lot of these prosecutors won't even prosecute you anymore. The ones that, like, uh, Porge Poros got elected. And, uh, you know, the FBI just won't look into you. If you're, if you're protesting at a Capitol like this, they won't look for you. But if you're a conservative, be prepared to go to prison, you know, completely unjustly. Okay, uh, I think that's it for the news. Do you want to take any of the super chats here? Yeah. Okay, we're almost done, ladies and gentlemen. I, I do apologize for the length, but uh, we had to combine some stories here Uh Yesterday's stories and today's stories. So we had few more than, than normal. Okay, let's go ahead and read some of these, and then we are out. Okay, uh, Preacher Daniel says, um, Hey, Biden from my cold dead hands. So, Oh, <laughs> from my cold dead hands. It's, a, it's something that, that's said when somebody tries to take your guns. Okay, and me... Free the kitty. I'm enjoying my vacation in NC. Here is free the kitty money. <laughs> the kitty is now asleep comfortably on the bed where he almost always sleeps. Yeah. Which is nice. No, he's not crazy. But he's not crazy. Okay. Uh, Frank James. Super chef from Frank James. Imagine identifying a woman to get away from prison grape. Uh-huh. 
only to end up getting raped by a woman inmate and getting stuck with a child support. <laughs> yeah, 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 for real. Uh, Sean Bohini. Sorry again. Sean Bohini. Okay, Sean Bohini. I don't know. I can't see any of these chats because they've already gone past. But if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein. Yeah, We're yeah. saying Albert Einstein. Einstein. In Russian, yeah. Ah. An actual smart person. Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't understand it perfectly, you're not going to be able to explain it clearly. So to me, yeah, that's it's that's exact that's that's exactly right. Einstein's got it right. I will say this. Einstein, I agree with you. I think that was smart. Well done. I approve of Einstein. I, I'm sure Einstein is in heaven looking down, going, Thank you, Mr. Reagan, for that approval. I I've been wanting that for years, and finally he's got it. He, Einstein's got my approval. From a, I'm trying to make a joke here. You're you're just you no okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, do you want me to read Joe Sullivan's one? Yeah, one. Yeah. Okay, Joe Joe Sullivan. It's the only one I can see on here. Says amazing how he wants to stop ghost guns from getting into the hands of terrorists. Yeah, either so they're calling the guns that you manufacture like the kit guns. They're calling them ghost guns because they don't have a registration number. Amazing how he wants to stop the ghost guns from getting into the hands of terrorists and criminals by the so-called uh, kits having serial numbers, but he'll allow thousands of illegal immigrants across the border unabated to do God knows what. That's right. <laughs> well, I think Joe Sullivan, if, and thank you for the money, by the way, it's quite a, quite a bit of a donation there. I do think that if we start putting serial numbers on the uh, immigrants, uh, th- that could be a problem. I remember some people who had serial numbers... Uh, around 60 years ago, 70, 70, 80 years ago, something like that, 70 years ago. Uh, that did not end well. So, yeah, I think probably the the solution, uh, the obvious solution to that would be put serial numbers on the people, but that's I don't think that's good. <laughs> well, if you think about it, we all have serial numbers, don't we? Because we have the social security cards. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of serial numbers. But uh, I was trying to make a joke about the Jews in Nazi Germany. Oh. Uh, they they all had numbered tattoos. Yeah. Do you know about that? Yeah. Probably not a good thing to joke about. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very important to regulate the guns, but it's not important to regulate the people. That's obviously the point you're trying to make. And uh, yeah, but it's just ridiculous because it, it's it's sort of like the masks. It's the reason that we all find the masks to be ridiculous. Because they're forcing all of us to wear masks whether or not we have a virus. And it doesn't matter if we... Okay, if we're not sick, wearing a mask will not stop us from transmitting the virus to people because we don't have the virus to begin with. We can't transmit it to anyone. So this idea that we've got to restrict people having guns that are perfectly safe with the guns, they're perfectly you know, decent people who deserve to be able to protect themselves in their home... You're not allowed to have a gun because we have to make this blanket law. You know, it, it, you're infringing on some people's rights because a few people are bad instead of focusing on those few people and going after them. And that's the, the Democrats have everything backwards. They're like, oh, let's let's let all these 
these uh, dangerous criminals go because of COVID or because, you know, because of racial injustice in the criminal justice system. And then we're like, I don't understand why the crime rate is increasing. It must be the guns. Yeah, that's why the crime rate is increasing is because of the friggin' guns. I mean, the, the Democrats have everything backwards. It's like, no, 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 no. Okay, the, yes, the guns can kill a person if they're in the wrong hand. So go find the people who are committing the crimes with the guns and go put them in prison. Wait, what do you mean you just let them all out? <laughs> right? That's that's how the that's how the Democrats work. They just let the criminals who who irresponsibly use the guns or you know, in a tragic manner use the guns. They let them out of prison and they and then they say, "Well, let's let's just stop having guns. Let's just let all the criminals out and just stop having guns." They live in a freaking dream world. It's ridiculous. All right, sorry. I'm sorry. There's more there are there, is there any more super chats you want to say? There's a else? new super chat that okay. just came out. Okay. You want me to read it, or do you want it? You got it. Yeah, I can read it. Jeffrey Adams. Okay. When was the last time someone used a homemade muzzle loaded in a mass shooting? Let's avoid real issues with a bunch of nonsense that doesn't help anyone with anything. You know, that's such a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but it's like... it's, it's, it's The Democrats focus on the weirdest crap. Like, they, they have no idea. They're just not... They're just not conscious of, like... Ideas that would really actually help the the world and help to make the country a safer place. It's like that's what I'm saying about these intellectuals that have these sort of hypotheses about things and speculate about stuff, but they're not really they don't have any common sense. They have no common sense. They're like, you know, what we need to stop these unregistered, uh, handcrafted guns that all these criminals are going around using. <laughs> Such a good point. Nobody's. I've never heard of anyone killing anyone. In fact, with an unregistered handcrafted gun if you're the kind of person that wants to make your own handcrafted guns or buy handcrafted guns you're very unlikely to be the kind of person that would go out and murder people i mean it's just it's just not the kind of demographic that you need you need to go after and this kind of ties into what i was saying of like let's let out all the murderers but let's go after the guns it's like you guys are going after the wrong stuff they're going after the handcrafted gun like who's killing somebody with a handcrafted gun I mean, I guess they're going after the potential violence. So this is this is exactly what they did with Trump. Oh, potentially Trump will be a disaster because he's a businessman. He doesn't have any experience as a president or in politics. And then Trump's like the best president ever. Like, don't go after potentials. Go after what you know. Okay, you know these criminals committed these crimes. Put them in prison. Don't let them out. Okay, you know that lots of Americans are good with guns. Maybe don't take them from them. Um. Okay. Anything else? No. All right. I've ranted on long enough. Uh, Valeria looks like she's about to pass out, so I'm going to go. Uh, as usual, you guys are honestly the best people on YouTube. I am so sorry I was gone yesterday. Uh, it won't happen again until my next infusion, probably. <laughs> In which case, I may have to take the day off again. I'll try to, I'll try to make it work next time. Because I also didn't have a lot of sleep, which has probably contributed significantly to the problem. But... Uh, I'll try to get more sleep the night before. Anyway, Valeria, do you want to say goodbye to everybody? Good night. Good night, everybody. You are awesome as usual. And uh, here is the outro. See you tomorrow. Toxic masculinity.